Modern technology makes it far easier to conduct surveillance on anyone, anywhere. Do our laws need to be updated to better protect our privacy? With more, here's InfoTrack's Lisa G. Lisa? Thanks, Chris. We are speaking to Saruz Faravar, who is the author and award-winning tech reporter of the book Habeas Data. And when it comes to technology and our rights to protection, it seems like it's a very precarious situation that we really don't know what's going on. So what is your book about and what can you tell us? My book is about 50 years of surveillance law in America. It covers 10 Supreme Court cases that have had a really fundamental influence on the way judges and courts and lawyers and activists think about privacy and surveillance in America over the last half century. And they dictate what surveillance tools are allowed and ones that are not allowed. And it's not clear some of the more... I want to say futuristic, but they're not futuristic, they're real. Things like facial recognition capabilities on police body cameras, which is something that is going to happen very, very soon, and what the law has to say about that. So my book tries to explore how the law tries to deal with these kinds of technologies and how we might improve upon that situation going forward. How can you help us when it comes to knowing what the laws are? Well, it's important to remember the Fourth Amendment protects all of us from unreasonable searches and seizures. It protects us against unreasonable actions by the government. The Fourth Amendment has nothing to say about the actions of Facebook or Google or any other private company. And of course, services like Facebook or Google, we have all voluntarily signed up for those services. And we have agreed to a long laundry list of terms and conditions that none of us have ever read where they spell out what they can do or they are supposed to spell out what they can and can't do with our data. I contrast that with technologies that are in use by government agencies, by police, things like license plate readers that can capture people's license plates as they drive down the street at 60 plates per second and keep that data potentially for years on end. None of us signed up for that. No police officer has ever come up to me and said, Hello, Sarus, would you mind if we scanned your car? (laughs) They just do it anyway because the law allows them to. It says in your book that the current laws don't guarantee email privacy. So why is it that the government won't protect our electronic communications? With email specifically, it has to do with a weird quirk in the law from the 1980s, which describes email in a very peculiar way, or at least it's peculiar to us 30-plus years later, And it's important to remember that email in the 1980s is very different than email today. A lot of us, you know, we use Gmail or services like Gmail. We log in through a web browser on our phone. A lot of these email services have essentially unlimited data storage, right? We don't think twice about keeping emails from several years ago. But the way the law is written is that the government technically does not need a warrant to obtain emails that are over 180 days old. Because the way the law was written at the time is people, instead of reaching out to Google's services, reaching out to the cloud, as it's sometimes referred to as, those of us who used email in the 1980s, you might remember that you used to dial a service, you would download your messages from one computer to your own. And so the idea was that if you had not downloaded those messages off of that remote computer after 180 days, they were effectively considered to be abandoned. This is why the law was drafted in this way. But that's not how modern email works. Most of us don't have our email set up 
so that we are removing messages from one place to another. They exist on our phones. They also exist on Google servers or, you know, Microsoft servers or whoever. They exist in multiple places at the same time. And so right now, the government does not need a warrant to access your email, which I find curious given the fact that, you know, if you send me a letter through the United States Postal Service, the government does need a warrant to open up that letter. What about facial recognition, good or bad? <laughs> a lot of these technologies, I think, can be boiled down to that question. I think it's not really a question of are they inherently good or bad, but it's how they're used. Facial recognition is a technology that exists right now. It's being tested and used in China, in Europe. I feel like it's inevitable that the body cameras that our American law enforcement officers are wearing right now are very soon, later this year or next year, going to have facial recognition capabilities. So we were talking about license plate readers that can capture at 60 plates per second. Imagine what a body camera can do that could capture faces, even, I don't know, 10 faces per second. That would be incredible. Well, thank you so much for your time, Saruz Farivar, the author of the new book, Habeas Data. Thanks again for speaking with us. Thank you. For InfoTrack, I'm Lisa G. And that's it for this week's show. Special thanks to this week's InfoTrack contributors, Roy Mackey, Lisa G., and Gina Tedesco. Our Internet services are provided by Pair Networks. Our executive producer is Randy Meyer, and I'm Chris Whitting. We hope you'll join us right here next week for another edition of InfoTrack.